Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell. And this is Jonah Trebowasser. Welcome back to another edition of Radio Rotary, sponsored by local Rotarians, your friends dedicated to service. Each week we chat with your neighbors about great things happening in your community and around the world, people sharing ways to improve your life. And Jonah, today our special guest is Dr. Felicia LeClaire from the National Opinion Research Center, and I believe she's in Chicago. Uh, Am I right? Yeah, well, she's not here in Beacon, that's for sure. Okay, well, I know she's not in the (laughs) studio, but I believe the the institute she's associated with is in Chicago, Illinois. Am I correct? Good morning, Dr. LeClaire. Okay. Good morning, and I am in Chicago. Okay. (laughs) And it's cold here. (laughs) It's cold, I was going to ask, because it's been pretty brutal here, too. Yep. So, what is the National Opinion Research Center, Dr. LeClaire? Um, We are a not-for-profit affiliate of the University of Chicago, and we do primarily research for on social issues for the federal government and other contractors. Um, And uh, we primarily do survey work as well as public policy work. Um, And we've been around for 70 years. Uh, Started just after, uh, actually, in the beginning of World War II, to do work on opinions related to uh, the war, Um, and it started at the University of Chicago, and then we spun off later on uh, as a private, as a nonprofit with uh, an affiliation with the university. Do you do uh, surveys uh, with the presidential election? And we just went through the presidential election, and you always had these opinion polls and surveys and, you know, showing it was pretty much neck and neck. Is that the kind of thing you get into as well? Uh, no, we're out of the opinion research uh, business and have been for a while. Uh, opinion research is usually done by organizations like Gallup and Pew. Um, we do small studies of that type through our new, um, we have an affiliation with AP, the news organization. Okay. And Associated we've begun, Press. Associated right, Press, mm-hmm. yeah. And we've begun to do smaller surveys. We did a small survey about um, the presidential election, but we aren't really in the opinion polling business these days. But you did mention, Dr. LeClaire, that you did work for the government. Are you at liberty to say what type of, of opinion research work that you supply to the government? Um, we do all kinds of work for the government. Uh, currently, um, some of our big surveys include the National Immunization Survey, which is an annual survey of um, the immunization status of young children and teens. And it's a very large survey, and it's designed to help the government um, plan for immunization outreach. We've also done large flu immunization surveys for the government. Um, we do a very large survey called the National Longitudinal uh, Survey of Youth, which is about the labor force attachment of, uh, well, originally they were young people and now they've aged. Um, And um, basically we have a lot of big surveys that we run for the government. Um, We just finished one on health disparities in uh, minority populations for the Centers for Disease Control. Do you also do things for uh, commercial businesses? Like, you know, you you see the commercials, seven out of ten dentists recommend and some name of the toothpaste. We don't do marketing research. We're not-for-profit, so uh-huh. we are not in, in the market research area. Um, we really are focused on um, social issues um, and things of interest to the general public, which the in, 
in large part, the federal government funds what we do, so they tend to be policy issues uh, rather than commercial issues. Our guest on Radio Rotary is Dr. Felicia LeClaire of the National Opinion Research Center in Chicago, and she's telling us about the work that her very fine organization does. Um, well, now, for example, let's take a, a current issue that's uh, kind of right there in the forefront of everyone's minds, and that's... I'm getting nervous, Jonah. Uh, Sarah O'Connell being nervous is one of the issues that she'll be posting about. <laughs> and how, no, does no, no, no. It, how does the public feel about that, Jonah? I, I know. I'm, you have I'm to devastated. ask Dr. LeClaire. No, I'm I'm s- we're making light of this. Go ahead. No, 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 Please I mean, go the, the forward issue, with the your question. The issue of guns and gun control in the Second Amendment. I knew you were going to bring that up. Thank you. Is that something that you're looking into? Um, we do this uh, annual survey and have done it since 1972 called the General Social Survey. And we ask questions about gun ownership and attitudes towards guns um, periodically in that survey as part of a general opinion, more like um, attitudes rather than opinions. I believe, um, I'm not sure which year we've done it, uh, 2010 I don't believe has, that's the most recent available data. Doesn't have issues on guns, but a lot of things that you'll see in the press about the attitudes towards guns comes from the general social survey, and that is something we do uh, do. Now, but we don't do the spot polling that you might see in the press. Something really caught my attention. What is the difference between attitudes and opinions? So in my mind, and this may not be the official definition, uh, opinion polling is you take a quick view of what people think of an issue at any given time. Attitudes tend to be uh, deeply held approaches to life, like uh, uh, how you feel about racial desegregation, not how you think about current legislation. So it's more about your values um, and your long-held values rather than your approach to current, uh, current events or current political trends or current uh, proposed laws. And does that make sense to yes, you? Yes, it does. If I'm understanding correctly, then in your research, you're, you're able to differentiate between the two. Um, we try. You try to. That's part of your work, I suppose, an objective. One right. Your objectives. So, so one of the things that we do a lot of is we do a lot of work, uh, the scientists here do a lot of work on survey methodology, which means we try to figure out how to structure a questionnaire and how to structure a question to get to the truth. People don't lie to you, but you have to find a way to help them give you an answer that has truth. And um, attitude. Uh, writing questions about attitudes is very difficult um, because a lot of people don't have well-formed attitudes. It emerges as you ask them the questions. Um, so we put a lot of care into our questionnaire development and take a long time to do it in order to be able to get to those attitudes in an effective manner. And, and the General Social Survey, uh, which I talked about, has a very long history of doing lots and lots of work on getting at attitudes in a scientifically valid way. Well, Dr. Felicia LeClaire of the National Opinion Research Center, let's take it from the very beginning, uh, how you get these opinions, how you interview people, how you formulate the questions. So let's get a an issue out there, let's say we want to hire the National Opinion Research Center, and the question we want to know is, do you think Radio Rotary is brilliant, outstanding, <laughs> wonderful, uh, or, you know, just the best thing in radio since Marconi? So how do you start? Who do you call? How do, how do we get that information? So the first thing I'm going to tell you, unfortunately, is I would never give them only those choices. <laughs> 
what other choice could there be? Well, you know, you're interviewing me, so I can't be too rude, right? No, no, you can be, um, please be truthful. Believe me, my co-host is all the time. Uh, well, so what, something like what you're asking me is more of a marketing uh, question than it would be a survey, the kind of survey questions we do. Okay, so, so pick a survey question. If you are collecting opinions about brands or about um, uh, particular types of services, you want to put them in the context of other types of services so that people can make comparisons. So rotary radio would be compared to a, a similar radio station or a sim- similar broadcast operation. So the person has context in which to put your radio station. And then you balance, of course, the, the response categories and give people an opportunity to say negative things as well as positive things. Um, and what we would do is we would take your um, desires about what kinds of questions uh, you wanted to have asked, and we would put together a questionnaire for you, feed it back to you, allow you to comment. Then we do all of our data collection via one or more uh, computerized system. Either uh, we interview in person with a computerized questionnaire, or we interview on the phone with a computerized system, or via the web, depending on what your community looks like. So um, you, you will call people and ask them questions, or you will have them... Um and I get survey something from called Survey Monkey, cute little uh-huh. monkey on the screen, and, and they ask my opinion of, you know, was I happy the last time I went into the local drugstore? Uh, right. These are all uh, methodologies that you can use to get uh, opinions. To gather data. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, we tend to do fewer web surveys, which Survey Monkey is a vendor for for web surveys. Uh, we currently do fewer web surveys because it's hard to get a representative sample of people uh, with a web survey because not everybody has an email address or uses the Internet, although that has changed rapidly. And most of our goal is to get what's called a representative sample, which means we want to be able to sample individuals in all walks of life, of all demographic characteristics, and if we need to, all over the country. And we'll find out more about those representative samples and the work of the National Opinion Research Center from our guest, Dr. Felicia LeClaire, in just a moment. But first, let me remind our listeners that they're in tune with Radio Rotary on the air and around the world by podcast on iTunes and at www.radiorotary.org. My name is Jonah Trebois, and my co-host is Sarah O'Connell, our very special guest from Chicago, Dr. Felicia LeClaire of the National Opinion Research Center. And tell us, Sarah, whose opinion do we value this week for keeping Radio Rotary on the air? Well, this week, Jonah, Radio Rotary has been brought to us by Rotary International, Rotary District 7210, and the Rotary Clubs of Congress Valley Cottage, Highland Hyde Park, Kinderhook Tri-Village, Middletown, Millbrook, Newburgh, and New City. And we'll be back with more Radio Rotary after these important messages. The 1,200,000 women and men of Rotary have accomplished extraordinary things. They have helped people grow food in communities around the world. They've taught millions of people to read. They've brought clean water to villages, worked toward world peace, and have nearly eradicated a crippling childhood disease from the face of the planet. But here's the thing. Each of those 1,200,000 women and men know they could accomplish so much more if only they were 1,200,000 and one. Find out what an impact one person can make Learn about Rotary membership at rotary.org. Rotary. Humanity in motion.
For information about Rotary in the Hudson Valley, visit www.rotarydistrict7210.org. Juddelson, Giordano, and Siegel, CPAPC, is a full-service accounting, tax, and business consulting firm. JGS specializes in business succession planning, including ownership transition, management transition, as well as family and non-family transitions. The JGS staff works alongside you to solve the problems of your specific business or personal situation. JGS is conveniently located on Route 211 in Middletown, New York. To learn more, please contact JGS at 845 or visit them on the web at www.jgspc.com. Juddelson, Giordano, and Siegel, your essential partner in business. Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell, and welcome back to the second segment of this week's edition of Radio Rotary. I'm joined by my co-host, Jonah Trebwasser, and today we're having a fascinating discussion with a research, basically a research scientist, Dr. Felicia LeClure from the National Opinion Research Center in Chicago, Illinois. Of the prestigious... National Research Center of the University of Chicago. It is prestigious. And it's also, it's very interesting. It's very, um, it's a lot of information. You have to kind right. of think about it. So what right. we want to do is get right to it and just recap some of the, the highlights of the first segment. Right. Doctor, just give us another uh, couple of sentences about what your organization does, please, for those right. who are joining us late. Sure. So we're a not-for-profit that does research in the public interest. Um, most of our research is either policy work uh, done f- under the aegis of the federal government or data collection uh, of large federal surveys uh, to examine all kinds of issues, including the immunization of children, the health of uh, minorities, and uh, the attitudes of the American public. And how did you get involved in, uh, in research surveys and becoming a research scientist? I know Rotary gave you a little bit of a start in high school. <laughs> right. I won a, an essay contest in the 12th grade on the meaning of Christmas uh, to oh. me. Uh-huh. And I lived in a very small town in Pennsylvania, and my mother is Jewish. And so I wrote an essay about what it was like to be a Jewish kid in a very small town in Pennsylvania at Christmas time. Oh, uh, how cute. And, and it was and, a lovely ceremony. They were, I was, uh, I was quite pleased that they took that unusual essay and and gave me a prize. I can't did, remember how much it was, but it was meaningful to me in the twelfth grade. And did you survey other families about uh, what, what happens in Christmas time? <laughs> uh, it was, was that, before was my the, years as a survey <laughs> methodologist. So, so, so how did you how did you become interested in in, in surveying public opinion and sure. putting your finger on the pulse of of the public? So I trained at uh, Penn State as a demographer, which is a person who studies populations. And my first job was with the uh, National Center for Health Statistics. Uh, Actually, my second. I worked for the Department of Agriculture first. And I worked for uh, one of the very large surveys done by the federal government called the National Health Interview Survey, uh, which gives annual statistics on the prevalence of disease um, in the United States. And I found my love at that point. Um, I like um, being able to understand. I like data to begin with, and I like being able to understand how humans behave and how we measure how they behave. And surveys are one of the most important mechanisms to do that. And ever since, I ran a small survey lab at the University of Notre Dame. I worked for the Institute for Social Research at the University of Michigan, and I've been at NORC since 2010. Oh, 
And are you are you ever surprised by the way a survey comes out? I mean, you know, you're you're, you're you're a person who I'm sure uh, keeps up with uh, current events, and uh, mm-hmm. obviously uh, you couldn't have uh, gotten this position at the University of Chicago without being very very intelligent and very bright. And do you are you ever like really gobsmacked? I mean, just knocked over by a survey result that went 180 degrees from where you thought it would go. And what's an example of that? Um, that's an interesting question. I, I, I'm afraid I can't come up with a quippy answer off the top of my head, but I'm always surprised. Um, and one of the reasons that I remain an empirical social scientist is because I like to be uh, dislodged from my own prejudices. Um, and data will do that to you. That's an interesting um, way of putting it. Yeah. Well, it is. It's the proof. So, Dr. LeClaire, I have a quick question. Sure. I understand the idea that that an organization um, needs to know X, they, the answer to X, Y, Y, Y. But who actually prepares in a, in a simplified answer, if you could, who actually prepares the surveys? Are, are there psychologists involved, for example? Because I would think the way you ask a question, you could manipulate the type of response that you want. Like, for example, instead of what you need. Like, for mm-hmm. example, I know you don't do uh, political surveys, but if a political survey called me up and said, you're not voting for that bum, are you? I mean, that's, sort of, that's sort of like not a neutral question. But uh, So how do you Those, formulate that, the that's questions? That's called push-polling, which we don't do. Um, well, you hit on a very interesting aspect of survey research. And in the last 20 years, survey research has really evolved and actually, frankly, used cognitive psychologists to do it. So what we've done, uh, we have survey methodologists who are trained uh, in some of the big programs in the country. University of Michigan has one. The University of Nebraska has another. And cognitive psychologists help us to understand how people process questions and then how they recall things. And most questionnaire development follows some of the basic principles of cognitive science. So a really good example is if I asked you what you had for breakfast two weeks ago, you probably won't remember exactly. Well, i got to tell you something, Dr. Claire. I'm old enough where if you ask me when I had breakfast this morning, I'm not going to remember. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> um, but we have ways of asking questions about ubiquitous information like that that help you recall what you had for breakfast. Now, I can't help you remember the name of your second grade teacher, but I can help you recall Mrs. what you uh, had for breakfast. Um, and so we have cognitive scientists who work with us um, uh-huh. to form those questions. And yes, there is the ability to manipulate questions. No one in the survey business would deny that. But what we're really trying to do is find a way to help people respond accurately. Uh huh. Okay, well, that makes sense. Now, quickly, for those listeners who may not know exactly what cognitive, that's kind of a big word, and it gets thrown uh-huh. around a lot. And I know when my children were coming up through school, that was a term that was used quite a bit. Could you just give us a basic definition of cognitive learning or cognitive processing? Sure. It's the way your brain works to remember things or to understand things. When I say a word like breakfast, you use a cognitive process to map the word breakfast to an event or to Mm -hmm. a meal. Mm -hmm. And so we are using what we understand about how people go through the process of mapping words to memories or words to items 
to help them answer questions. So it's connecting the dots. Exactly. Okay. Our guest on Radio Rotary is Dr. Felicia LeClaire of the National Opinion Research Center at the University of Chicago. And we're talking about uh, opinion research in the United States. Doctor, can you give us some examples of some of the actual opinions you've been able to, um, and surveys you've been able to put get together, from the, get from the American people, and, and what um, the results were? Well, that's a pretty broad question. Um, I think the, uh, the general social survey is one of our best, um, and it asks opinions on so many things that it's difficult to summarize them. Um, I was just, um, uh, after our discussion about gun ownership and the begin our uh, attitudes towards guns in the beginning, I went back to look at our 2010 um, general social survey, and we do ask a question about gun ownership. And the question we asked, and we've been asking it since 1973, the question was, do you happen to have in your home, if house or garage, any guns or revolvers? And that's a question we've asked since 73. And what we found is that the gun ownership has declined dramatically since 73. Um, in 1973, about 50% of, just under 50% of households owned guns. By 2010, only 32% of households owned guns. Well, how do we know, Dr. LeClaire, that for that or any other question, people are telling you the truth? I mean, for example, well, if, if you were to call me up and say, um, uh, how much do you give to charity? Well, I may want to, you know, well, don't they be a nice guy a and bit? say, oh, I give 20% of my salary to charity. Right. Even though it may only be a buck and a half. So I have to tell you that I'm pretty uh, naive about uh, human beings. I actually believe, and I've gone out with interviewers, that people try to tell us the truth mostly. Mm -hmm. And so what we know is around the edges, particularly of sensitive questions, people will cloud it a little bit. So you're going to tell me you gave me more than you actually did. But what we know is that there is some kernel of truth in that. And so we tend to look at trends rather than exact numbers. Um, so we know if you said um, you give $50,000 to charity, we might discount that by about 10%, uh -huh. given what we know about other people's behavior and about right. your characteristics. Right. Now, you're at the University of Chicago. Do you bring uh, students in to, to work on these surveys? I know we're right by Marist College. They have the world-famous Marist Poll, which is a political poll. Right. And they use mm -hmm. uh, the kids. Uh, do you use uh, students? Um, we don't do, use students to do data collection, but we have a summer internship program um, that we bring students both from the University of Chicago and all over the country, in fact, to work with us. Um, we also hire a lot of people directly out of undergraduate mm -hmm. uh, school. We have a very large staff of junior people. Um, this is a great place to work if you're fresh out of college. It's uh, exciting. It's in the city of Chicago. It's very fast work. We're always, uh, something's always happening here. Makes you, me wish you, I were young. Yeah, and, and you sound like a great person to work with. In a couple of seconds we have left, give us your website. It's I know I've seen it. It's a fascinating website. Give the folks the website and invite them sure. to uh, click on. Sure. It's www.norc.org. One more time. www.norc.org. Dr. Felicia LeClaire of the National Opinion Research Center at the University of Chicago, thank you so much for joining us on Radio Rotary. Thank you. And tell us, Sarah O'Connell, 
Whose opinion counts the most? Who sponsored us this week? Well, this week, Radio Rotary has been brought to you and all of our listeners by Rotary International, Rotary District 7210, and the Rotary Clubs of New Windsor Cornwall, North Rockland, Pleasant Valley, Poughkeepsie, Arlington, Red Hook, Rhinebeck, and Wallkill East. Sarah O'Connell, this is Jonah Trebowasser inviting you to join us again this time next week for another edition of Radio Rotary. After immunizing more than 2 billion children, Rotary Club members are close to wiping polio from the face of the earth. Thanks to a matching grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, every dollar Rotary raises will work twice as hard to protect children against polio forever. End polio now. Visit rotary.org slash end polio. 